Welcome to Sidley Bitcoin, where we cover the Bitcoin news. The, fa the catastrophic fails from the shit coins and the central bankers, all of it, and the memes and Bitcoin culture in general. Today we have a very special guest. We have a buddy, a friend of ours, and also the head of multimedia production at Bitcoin Magazine. I hope I got that right. Anyways, Chris, how you doing, brother? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Awesome. All right, Phil. Let's get to the numbers. Number time! Brought to you by Noddle. They make some of the best Bitcoin nodes like the Noddle One. Run your own version of Bitcoin Core, the Lightning Network, Whirlpool, and Dojo all in the comfort of your own home. And if you're a digital nomad, you have no excuse because now there's the Noddle Cloud. Run a Noddle through a virtual private server anywhere around the world. Visit noddle.eu today. At the time of this recording, the block height is 744,000. 866, the Bitcoin price, 19,654, chain rewrite days, 847, total public lightning capacity, 4,241.28, Moscow time, 5088, blocks to the halvening, 95,134, and the Samurai Whirlpool, unspent capacity, Samurai Whirlpool is a coin joint or collaborative spend, it is not a mixing service, and the unspent capacity for that pool is... 4,887.5 BTC, Nico, the very mystical numbers. Very mystical numbers. Bitcoin's a new stablecoin at 20K. I'm going to keep saying it. I know I jinxed it last time. I'm sorry. Anyways, today I want to talk about the news that came out today. Um, you guys are going to be seeing it tomorrow, but still inflation let's talk about the inflation numbers this is the numbers section after all right inflation rose 9.1 percent in june this is the highest it's ever been in 40 years that is absolutely crazy consumer price index increased 9.1 percent from a year ago above the 8.8 percent and remember what the central bankers and all the government institutions were saying oh there's no inflation it's the supply chains it's transitory and it was actually the Bitcoiners on Bitcoin Twitter and a couple other base people that caught it right. And the reason for that is, is because it was obvious they were printing a record amount of money. This was the begin. This was the beginning of the experiment. This was the way, this was the mechanism on which governments got away with the lockdowns. Because if they didn't print all that money, it would have just crashed the economy right from the get-go. People would have gotten pissed. People would have said, maybe these lockdowns, we should take a different approach but it was like this collectivist men mentality, man. Everyone just like, we have to lock down. Then they attacked politicians that chose not to or chose to do it in a different way, like Ron DeSantis. So it's like, man, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, but anyways, as you can see, they started tapering off the money printing. It's starting to go down a little bit. But dude, look at that. It's just a little bit. And look at what's already happened to the economy, right? Now, here's the thing. I don't know how they're going to deal with this because back in the 1980s, 1970s, last time this happened, right, was right here, right? Um, and as you could see, right, the, you know, the Fed interest rate, right, they had a lot more power to kind of deal with it. And this was, uh, this was the Volcker era. This was the beginning of the Ronald Reagan presidency, the end of the Jimmy Carter presidency. This was so bad politically for Jimmy Carter that Reagan like destroyed it. Um, so anyways, and it was mainly because of inflation, and high gas prices, right? Very similar to what is going on today. Um, so Volcker had a lot more um, wiggle room. He had bigger tools to deal with this. He even moved the interest rate all the way up to 17%. No, oh, 19%, dude. Um, today, right, if you look at how much wiggle room they have, right, this is the federal interest rate, right? The last time they rose interest rates was in 2019, but they only rose them at a peak of 2.39%. Here, we're at 1.2. I'm sure they're going to keep raising them, but Phil, take a look at this. Chris, Chris, take a look at this. This is on a downward trend. They've never been able to raise interest rates higher than the previous time. And this trend has been happening really since, oops, sorry about that. This trend really has been happening since, let's zoom out. This trend really has been happening since 1981 the interest rates have progressively gone down. They've never been able to raise them higher than previous highs. So 
right? If we look at this, last time the government was in this situation, back in the late 70s, early 80s, they, were, they had to raise interest rates to 19%. We are in this situation again. They've only raised it a couple basis points and look at the mayhem this has caused the economy. So we have, we've been saying many times on the show, we're not economists, but we're even worse because we're plebs with Bloomberg subscriptions. That makes us dangerous. Um, and because we're in Bitcoin, we've had to understand the legacy financial system and the legacy system and how it functions. I'm looking at this, okay, and I've asked people much smarter than me when they've come on the show, Mark Moss, uh, Dr. Jeff Ross, um, and I always ask them the same question. I'm going to ask you guys the same question. I don't think they have any more, you know, the expression, kick the can down the road. I think they've finally run out of road because I'm looking at that, right? They're going to have to raise interest rates much higher than the previous high, which was back in 2019. It was a 2.42%. They've never been able to do that really since the 1980s, raise it than a previous high. So they're in a pickle right here. And remember what Jack Dorsey said, um, it was about six months ago after he quit um, Twitter. He said, hyperinflation, it's coming soon, right? So is this the cause? Is this gonna be cause? Because here's the thing, guys. The Fed has two choices. They continue printing money, right? What is that gonna do? It's gonna bring more inflation. Or, right, they continue to raise rates, but if they continue to raise rates, they make it more expensive for people to borrow money, therefore crash the fucking economy what are they going to do, right? And I'm not talking about a mild recession. I'm talking about potentially a depression, right? So this is crazy stuff. I know we're not officially in a recession yet. I'm calling it. We are already in a recession. The official definition for a recession is the uh, the GDP of the United States have to contract two quarters in a row. Um, I think it's about to be announced not too long from now. I think we're going to see a contraction. And that puts us in a recession. I don't know how the fuck we're going to get out of this, bro. Uh, that's my two cents. I'm just happy I'm in Bitcoin. I know it's acting like a risk on asset. I know it's tightly correlated with the NASDAQ and the S&P. But I do believe as we approach closer to the halving, I am bullish on a potential decoupling. But I'm not quite sure. You guys know the deal. We don't speculate on this channel. That's just my gut feeling. Phil, what are your thoughts on this? And then we'll pass it on to Chris. Oh yeah, no, I look. I, I believe. I, I definitely believe that you know there's a risk of a mild recession starting. <laughs> That's. I think I saw that today in a tweet. I'm like, really? Like, come on. We, you know, we've been looking at these inflation numbers going up every single quarter, and and it's like, and now you're sitting there. Now all of a sudden we're starting to see the narrative of a mild recession. I just want to go back to a point that you made about, um, you know, kicking the can down the road, and and uh, and and the point that you made. You said, I, I think they're running out of road. You know what? I'm going to take the other side of that bet. I think they have no can left. Okay, there's no can left at all. They've got nothing else. And to your point, right? In the 1980s, they had tools, right? They they still let me rephrase that. They what they had everyone still believing that the tools that they had worked because they hadn't started QE yet, right? Like it hadn't begun yet. We hadn't seen that hockey stick formation really get started yet. So I, I think that, you know, essentially one of the reasons why these tools don't work is because QE really has nothing to do with the economy. I, I know that we like to pretend that adding more money to the economy helps, but I think we're clearly seeing that it doesn't. Really, to me, what QE is, it's more about keeping certain people in power. And, and I just don't think that I, I'm the only one that really thinks that, you know, that really thinks this. Um, the other piece about this is the CPI, right? The 9.1% the number. Look, I, I, me, uh, Nico and Chris, I have been following the corporate-owned media, okay? So I went and I spoke to my gas attendant this morning and I said, you better lower the prices, Okay. Spoke to the gas attendant. Then they had me call. Then they had me call the owner of the gas stations. I spoke to them too. And I said, you guys need to lower the prices. You need to do what the president said. Nobody listened to me. I don't know why. I, I mean, look, it's possible. It's possible that, that they're just not the source of that. Okay. So then I figured I would send an email to the Russians. So I sent an email to every single person in Russia. And I said, why are you making the gas prices go up? I still did not get a response. Look, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. 
I don't think it's the people at the gas pumps. I don't think it's the companies that own that that own the means of production for gas production. I think that this is a giant scam because we're printing money like crazy. People are losing faith in the dollar. Okay. And at the same time, what's really happening is we are seeing the biggest debasement that we have ever seen in history. Or it's corporate greed. I don't know. Maybe it's corporate greed. I, I don't know. Chris, what, what are your thoughts? Is this a corporate greed thing? Should I start trying to call people in Russia again? I, I don't know what to do. I think you got to go to the man up top. You got to call Biden and be like, hey, I talked to him. They're not following your orders, boss. What's going on here? Uh, no, I mean, we're guilty of doing this at Bitcoin Magazine. The CPI numbers are a lie. So I know we're bringing up 9.1. It's actually much, much worse. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Shadow stats, uh, when I was just looking at it this morning, I think it was like 18% if you're looking across all assets. And they do a much fairer job, in my opinion. It can be much, much worse. If you're looking for a home, it's much higher than that. If you're get, talking about strictly gas, it's much higher than 18% year over year. Um, and it's very interesting. Uh, do you guys follow the Chapwood Index? It's like a different basket of goods. They try and model it. Right now, their website's been down for a few months. So I'm not putting my tinfoil hat on, but you cannot get to the website right now. It is blocked from going to the chapwoodindex.org. That's actually really interesting because the last time I saw the Chapwood Index, I was. It, you mentioned this and I'm like, wait a second. I haven't looked at that in almost a year. That could be why. Because just haven't heard of it. Maybe you think they're having problems with the data? You think you think maybe the data's too skewed? I, I don't think they can let the whoever they is, they can't let that data get out to the people. So uh, they're suppressing it or whatever it may be. Remember, guys, there's no conspiracies, but there's also no coincidences, right? So yeah, exactly. man. It's uh total clown world. And one that one last note about, you know, the government. It I dude, they're the cause of inflation. And then they're ba they're blaming the productive people rather than taking responsibility themselves. And, and that's the part that pisses me off the most. Powell hasn't taken responsibility. Christine Lagarde hasn't taken responsibility. The head of the IMF kind of took responsibility. Uh, we played you the video where she's like, maybe we printed too much money. Uh, Jerome Powell and Christine Lagarde were looking at her like, we're gonna suicide you. Like, it's, it's, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is some crazy stuff. And I am getting a lot of Weimar Republic vibes, you know, especially if you study a little bit of history, a lot of similarities are happening. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen, but I do know this. If your money isn't Bitcoin, it can't be debased and it can't be easily confiscated. Anyways, Phil, it's time for the daily news. Brought to you by CryptoCloaks.com. They make some of the best 3D printed Bitcoin merch, like the famous 3D printed Bitcoin grenade toy. It comes in any custom color your heart desires. You want to simply Bitcoin slash Bitcoin colors? You could do that. What about Peter Schiff colors? That's right. Makes it in gold. Take out, check out the 3D printed open source list on CryptoCloaks.com. And you can take advantage of the promo code down below to get 5% off. If you're in Europe, the European store is now open. All right, everybody. Check this out. It's, it's, you would say it's some noise. I think it's signal, especially if you get the Simply Bitcoin opinion. Brazil's largest payment app to enable 65 million users to buy Bitcoin. Now, I did a little, a little bit of research. According to triple-a.io, 4.9% of Brazilians own cryptocurrency. That's estimated to be around 10 million people, right? 40% of crypto holders are 20 to 25, and time isn't moving backwards. So that should be a very good number. And again, right? Brazil's largest payments apps to enable 65 million users, right? You could, you can make a pretty big bet that at least five to 10%, right? They wouldn't be enabling this if they didn't feel like they, people wanted to buy Bitcoin on their platform. Now, the part that kind of bothers me, but I don't think it's that bad of news, right? Is at the bottom of the Bitcoin Magazine article, shout out to Chris and all their friends at Bitcoin Mag, it is unclear if users will be able to withdraw their Bitcoin. That's not good. But before you get your panties in a bunch, remember that PayPal and Robinhood did the same thing. They enabled Bitcoin and shitcoin withdrawal uh, purchases on their platforms, but initially they didn't enable withdrawals. 
I, PayPal even said we hate Bitcoin. It, it, it was it was like one or two years ago. This was in the beginning of Simply Bitcoin, and we accurately predicted that because of market forces, they were going to be forced to sell Bitcoin, and eventually they're going to be forced to enable withdrawals. And that's exactly what happened. I suspect with this app, perhaps they're going to want to keep people on their platform. Selling paper Bitcoin is very easy, right? Actually having to allow withdrawals is a whole other story. As all the shitcoin platforms found out recently, like Celsius and BlockFi and, you know, Babel and all those other platforms that stopped withdrawals. Um, I think that market forces are also going to force this Brazilian platform to allow withdrawals eventually. And I think it is striking, bro, because if you believe that data, around 10% of Brazilians own Bitcoin. I think this is the largest payment app in Brazil. It's bigger than PayPal and Venmo in Brazil. So I suspect that this is going to definitely at least add the option, right? And I think it is going to add people. Um, so we shall see. But I am a little bit, I am a little, I'm cautiously optimistic, like Phil always says, because they aren't adding withdrawals initially. I, I am just, so the, you know, it's interesting that you bring up that point, right? It's like, yeah, you know, PayPal didn't do it at first, you know, Robinhood didn't allow withdrawals at first. Okay. So look, I, you know, I, I always, I think I take a more negative stance than you on certain types of these things. And for me, I just think, because I always think everybody's twirling the mustaches and is evil. Okay. That's, I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. All right. It's just how it works for Phil. But, um, but look. I think that these I think that these corporations do this because if they can get away like because and again it it has to do with the minimum viable product okay hear me out a lot of companies will build a product the minimum viable product they'll get it out into the field right and then essentially based on user feedback they'll start to add features or polish features okay so what if nobody asks for withdrawals what if everyone is so happy with the counterparty and the counterparty risk that they don't ask for this. Well, we don't have to enable that feature. Brazil Brazil doesn't have a stable fiat currency like the United States. Trust me, because of necessity, people are going to want that custodial aspect. Um, okay, so so you're betting on you're betting on them wanting the custodial aspect, right? Yes, because it's Latin okay. America and people I, there are like government money. It's not like here. It's like ah, oh, PayPal. No, no, no. People there are government money. The West is learning their experience now with inflation. I guarantee you that if we have two, three, four more years of this, that is the best marketing Bitcoin has ever received, okay? Because it's not like, oh, 21 million, hard to confiscate any of the talking points that we usually use in the Bitcoin community. It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, dude, there's only 21 million. It can't be debased, dakata, you know? And I think it's totally different over there. Anyways, Chris. Go ahead, Phil. You want to finish up? I, yeah, I just wanted to finish up by saying I totally agree with you that the people are going to demand it. My point was that the corporations, if they, the, the corporations won't add the feature oh, okay. if, no, if no one cares. It's so, true. So to your point, Brazilians, any Brazilians that are watching this, Brazilian Bitcoiners, you plan on using this? Make sure that you let them know you want to take self-custody. Yep. Sorry. Make a ruckus. It's true. Make a ruckus. Anyways, Chris, what are your thoughts on this, brother? Um, I think the market always wins. I mean, look at even just China with the miners, like they had 40% or 50% of the hash rate. Then China's made a harsh ban, like outlawing all miners and the incentives are so strong. I think Nico and Phil, you guys have brought this up multiple times on multiple shows. The incentives are so strong that it's worth facing jail time, huge fines that there's a still, they estimate about 20% of the hash rate is still in China, obviously underground and they're not doxing themselves. But I think the incentives are gonna be too great. I think exactly to your points, PayPal and Robinhood didn't have those features and the people demanded it. I know uh, Brazil, they're going through some tough times. I, I don't know it as well politically, but I know just a couple of months ago, they were thinking to try and outlaw, I think it was like P2P encryption. And uh, we have a couple of colleagues there that luckily the people were so outraged by this that they fought back and it, the law was actually struck down. But it was kind of one of those things that was fly by night kind of bills. And they thought it was going to go through in 48 hours. And there was like riots in the street and people were very upset. Like I said, we have a couple of colleagues at Bitcoin Magazine there that were like, hey, this is not good. And we definitely uh, talked about it. And luckily the people won and the market won because people are like they do not want more surveillance already that they have in there. 
uh, in their country. It's crazy that these bureaucrats get to make these decisions and they feel emboldened enough to just sneak all this legislation in like without anybody looking and that's exactly what they did with the infrastructure that's what they did with including bitcoin and shit coins in the must pass infrastructure bill the first one not the build back better that failed but the first one uh yeah it was added last second um i know uh bitcoin policy institute and i know you guys have bitcoin magazine and we did a small part we were a lot smaller back then you know we we fought that so hard but it wasn't enough due to one senator um and he was Republican, by the way. I think it's Senator Shelby. Um, anyways, moving on. Um, so we covered this yesterday on yesterday's episode, but we had the episode ready. And it was a banger, but uh, the audio got desynced. So we're back at Zoom. We're, we're going to make the full transition to Restream. It's going to take us a little bit. Phil and I, it took us like a year to get used to Zoom and, you know, whatever. So bear with us, everybody. Anyways, I'm going to cover it again. Bitcoin miners, this is a Bloomberg article, Bitcoin miners shut as Texas power grid nears brink. Remember what they were saying in the beginning when Bitcoin miners were fleeing there due to the China ban. They said this was going to destroy the grid. But the exact opposite happened. They turned off when energy is necessary. But the part that I want you guys to focus on is why is Texas's energy grid so delicate what is going on there i'll give you a hint it's very similar to what is happening in germany nearly all industrial scale bitcoin miners in texas have shut off their machines as the company brace for a heat wave that is expected to push the state's power grid near its breaking point miners such as riot blockchain argo blockchain and core scientific cooperate millions of energy intensive computers to secure the bitcoin blockchain network and earn rewards in the token flock to the lone starts state thanks to its low energy costs and liberal regulations on crypto mining. The state has become one of the largest crypto mining hubs by computing power in the world. There are over 1,000 megawatts worth of Bitcoin mining load that respond to ERCOT's conservation requests by turning off their machines to conserve energy for the grid, Lee Batcher, president of Texas Blockchain Council, told Bloomberg in an email response. This represents nearly all industrial-scale Bitcoin mining load in Texas and allows for over 1% of total grid capacity to be pushed back onto the grid for retail and commercial use. The operator has been working with Bitcoin miners who are required to turn off their mining machines when the state faces energy shortages. Now, I want you guys to focus on this last paragraph. I'm going to read it twice because it literally makes me want to pull my hair out. While Texas is likely to face more energy shortages in the future, ERCOT expects crypto miners to increase electricity demand by up to 6 gigawatts by mid-2032, 2023. More than enough more than enough to power every home in Houston. Now, there's something called framing, especially when you're writing a news piece like this, right? Think about all the things that they're trying to make seem like one has to do with the other, right? So the first sentence says, while Texas is likely to face more energy shortages in the future, comma, ERCOT expects crypto miners to increase electricity demand by up to six gigawatts by mid-2023. Do you see one part has nothing to do with the second, but because they put it in the same paragraph, you're like, huh, what's going on here? And then to add the cherry on top, it says more than enough to power every home in Houston. So again, one doesn't have to do with the other. Now, why is Texas likely to face more energy shortage in the future? Because they bought into the renewable energy garbage. Check out this article, also by Bloomberg. A key source, wind power, a key source of electricity in Texas is being sidelined just when the Lone Star State needs it most, with turbines generating less than a tenth of what they're capable of. A scorching heat wave is pushing the Texas grid to the brink. Power demand is surging as people crank up air conditioners. But meanwhile, wind speeds have fallen to extremely low levels. And that means the state's fleet of turbines is just at 8% of their potential output. So, it's not Bitcoin mining that's causing problems in Texas's energy grid. It's their bet on very expensive 
wind farms that are not 100% reliable. Why are they not 100% reliable? Why is renewable energy except for hydro not 100% reliable? Why? Because you can't choose when there's wind and you can't choose if it's a cloudy day or not. You can't choose if it's a rainy day. And if it's a rainy or cloudy day, guess what? Those solar panels, they're fucking garbage. They're a paperweight. That's what they are. Exact, no, better said, they're a very expensive paperweight. So, I hate the framing. I think it's absolutely dangerous. This type of logic is what made New York, New York State ban Bitcoin mining. This is the type of logic that has made Germany one of the most expensive places for residential electricity. 34 cents per kilowatt hour. On average in the United States, it's 15 to 11. Why is Germany paying 34 cents per kilowatt hour? Because they bought and they drank the Greta Thunberg Kool-Aid and they thought, okay, nuclear energy and everything except wind and solar is bad for the environment, but reality smacked them in the face when the majority of the natural gas they still had to buy from came from Russia. Hmm, and you know what? They just had to turn on their coal plants again. And you know what? To add the cherry on top to see how hard reality is smacking in the face, the European Union just, check this out, just declared that natural gas and nuclear energy is green. Yeah, shit is green when you're in trouble, huh? Anyways, this is just stupid. I think this is just cheap moral virtue. The reality is, as much as I want renewable energies to be a good source of power, reality is not showing that wind doesn't blow 24 7 as is being shown in texas and sun doesn't shine 24 7 either and battery to battery technology isn't even coming close to the amount of capacity and to add the cherry on top of that and then i'll shut up okay is this bitcoin mining actually incentivizes renewable energies because let's say with solar right the, the base power demand is at night, usually between 3 to 9 p.m. when people come back from, from work. That is when sun is not the brightest, right? When is sun the brightest? Usually during the day when power demands are actually, they're not low, but they're not as high as nighttime demands, right? So who buys that power during the day? Bitcoin miners. Bitcoin miners are the buyers of last resort. So Bitcoin mining actually incentivizes renewable energies without relying on government subsidies. But these climate maniacs would rather attack it. Anyways, Phil. Oh my gosh. Great, great work with, with that reporting. Okay, look. So yes, yesterday we, we did cover this and I I want to make the same point I, I made yesterday, and hopefully, uh, people, you know, um, viewers in the chat can correct me if I'm wrong or provide a different angle to it. But I, I see it coming in as simply as this. Uh, at least a part of it is going to be as simply as this. If there was that much demand on the Texas grid, right? If there was that much demand, this would force the price of the electricity to go up, and therefore, it would price the miners out of the market, and they would seek an alternative place to go and mine. So right there, we know that this is not a Bitcoin problem. This is a problem that comes way before Bitcoin. The other piece to this is, is that has anybody ever taken a look at what these wind turbines are made of, the materials, the chemicals that go into producing all of this? I used to work for a chemical coating factory, okay? Almost every single thing out there that you see from street lamps, all of this stuff gets coated in a special material that you, you wouldn't guess it. I know everybody's gonna be shocked. Its base is oil. It's a paint. It's made of oil. Anyways, so you have that piece of it as well. The other thing that I wanted to mention, okay, about this is, is this right here, okay? The wind turbine blades can be longer than a Boeing 747, okay? So there's tens, literally tens of thousands of these aging blades, okay, that are coming down from steel towers around the world, okay? And most of them have nowhere to go but the landfills, okay? There's approximately 80, uh, sorry, 8,000, okay, that are gonna be removed in the next four years. And they are all gonna end up in landfills. So this makes 
this makes no sense. These ESG proponents, okay, they are literally dripping in oil, okay, and they don't even know it. It is the most hypocritical, psychotic crap I've ever seen. And, and of course, why do they pick on Bitcoin, right? Why do they pick on Bitcoin? They pick on Bitcoin because it's transparent, because there's no leadership. That's why they pick on Bitcoin. Absolutely. Chris, what are your thoughts, brother? Yeah, um, I, I was going to say, Nico, if you didn't bring up that the EU just said to their benefit that natural gas and nuclear are now green technologies, I was going to say you're, you're dispelling FUD out here by only saying hydro. But uh, I think it's really funny that they pick the narratives that they want to select when it's good or convenient for them. Um, to that point, too, I mean, I have an energy background. That was actually what I was doing before. Coming oh, to Bitcoin. and how did I do describing all of that? You did a really good job. And uh, I think Phil hit a, a really good point, too, that the, 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 the blades are all made from petroleum products. And to your point, when the life cycle of a wind turbine, at least on average, is probably 25 to 30 years. That's not if last year when Texas got hit with that hail storm, a bunch of those blades got bent and mangled that basically they were only uh, 15 years old and they basically had to get removed because they were completely broken. It blew up a lot of the turbines that were running those uh, wind farms. And basically they're really bad for the environment. Not only does it take oil to get them out of the ground, to manufacture them, to transport them. To your point, Phil, uh, after you've already used the oil to create those high synthetic resins or polymers to make those wind blades, the last place that they go is the landfill or into the ground and they don't decompose. They're not like natural to the environment. They're really harmful to the environment. And then that's not even excluding the ESG folks are always like, oh, this is better for the environment. You had to destroy a habitat of many animals, whether they're owls, snakes, birds, bees, whatever it may be, on top of killing birds, that it messes with their sensory when they're flying, that when they the, the wind that it repels uh, causes them to lose their de uh, depth perception, basically, when they fly into the wind tunnels of those things. They either crash at them, they crash in the ground, uh, and it kills a lot of birds that way. On top of, there's also been studies in humans that it causes people to go insane because of the whirling of the blades. If you're in a population or near uh, people that live near those wind blades, it actually, they say that they causes people to go insane just because of like the white noise of the blades constantly in the background. Uh, so yeah, they're not really a net benefit to the environment. It costs, it actually uses more oil to create them and produce them. They go in the ground, they're harmful. They're, they're just not like, if you're being honest, you're not being fair by comparing what the damages they do comparing to oil and gas. Yeah, one hundred just destroyed the the wind turbine narrative. Totally did, totally right. did, and I'm just happy that I got all that energy stuff right. And we had we had Chris to fact check me, so to speak. That's right. That's why plebs with Bloomberg articles are really freaking dangerous. These central bankers stand no chance. Anyways, Phil, it's time for the daily fail. Brought to you by Swan. Check them out. SwanBitcoin.com. Automated Bitcoin savings plans. Instant purchases. Look, if you've got 10 bucks to stack, you've got 50 bucks, 10 million dollars, they've got you. Swan has people that can help you DCA and stack. Check them out. The link is down below. All right. So I, I actually uh, originally yesterday, I only had one fail. We, we were we were just going to look at the ridiculous garbage that is XRP. And, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I saw this great article that popped up um, about Ethereum and essentially the, the active addresses. So I pulled, a, I pulled a Nico, okay? I went into our glass node and I found the chart for the Bitcoin active addresses. And lo and behold, there's something off with the, with the ETH narrative. Anyways, we're going we're gonna to dive into this and uh, you guys are going to let me know what you think. Here we go. Let's, uh, let's take a look here. So let's see, Ethereum's active addresses hit a two-year low amid the market sell-off. Hmm, really? I thought it was ultrasound money. Anyways, with the global currency sector suffering a major sell-off that has resulted in its market capitalization dropping to $883 billion, far below the $2 trillion it had regained back in March, the on-chain activity of Ethereum is recording a dramatic decline as well. Indeed, the number of monthly unique active addresses on the Ethereum blockchain has reached the lowest level since June 20th, 2020. And here we go. We can take a look at the quick coin metrics chart and we can see that drop. So, I mean, I may be misinterpreting this, but it just seems like less people are 
quote unquote, holding this ultra sound money that has no hard cap and no verifiable circulating supply. But maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm wrong about this. Let's let's go take a look. You know what? Maybe the same thing's happening with Bitcoin. Who knows? Well, unfortunately, the Bitcoin narrative is a little bit different because what's happening is, is that the number of active addresses, as you can see from its inception, has only been climbing. So that is a little bit alarming. And I just want to finish this off with the, with, with the last piece before we start talking about this is this. I, and this is what always pisses me off about the disingenuous ETH shills. Okay, keep in mind, this article about the active addresses is a day old, okay, a day old. But then let's go take a look. Let's go take a look at this tweet from Ryan Sean Adams, who's, you know, an ETH shill. And what does he have to say? ETH is still ultrasound money. Nothing changed except the price. Well, no, actually, something did change except the price. The amount of active addresses on Ethereum that are being used. That's what changed. So, no, it's not just the price. People should be worried because the reality is, is that when the market starts to crater, okay, when the market starts to crater and everybody's done feeling great about the, the, um, the, the technology trap, the partnership parades, all of that stuff, you start to look at your shitcoin and you think to yourself, why am I holding this? Now, granted, there's a whole bunch of bag holders that are waiting for proof of stake. There's approximately $33 billion locked in a chain that can't move at all. Maybe that's worrying people. Maybe that's worrying some current, you know, some, some people that are holding current ETH and they're, and they're trying to hedge their bets. And they're saying, you know what? Uh, maybe I shouldn't be in this because the Bitcoiners are right. There is no hard cap. There was a 70% pre-mine. Jeff Bezos actually does host the majority of the nodes through Amazon Web Services. So indeed, it is centralized. And maybe, just maybe, this is not the ultrasound money that they touted to us. I don't know, but I, I got to tell you this. For me, that was a huge piece of signal that I think a lot of people are ignoring. If, if it's so good, and if what they're saying is true, then why are the ETH active addresses dropping and are actually, they, they haven't seen these lows since 2020, and yet we're seeing, you know, Bitcoin had a, you know, a massive fiat price decline, and yet we're only seeing the number of active addresses on Bitcoin growing. So I have to, I, I have to wonder, and, and I'll go to Nico first. Um, what are they getting? I, I mean, what are we what are we missing here? I mean, to me, it just seems like more people are realizing that Bitcoin actually is sound money. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I, man, I, I don't I don't know what better to say rather than just look at those numbers, right? The number of Bitcoin addresses with 0 0.01, 0 0.11 Bitcoin continue to go parabolic. New whole coiners are being minted every single day. And the amount of active Bitcoin addresses is stagnant or even going down, right? Not to mention the fact that if you hold a lot of Ethereum, you should, instead of having a portrait of Vitalik over your bed, you should really have a portrait of Vitalik and Jeff Bezos. And on top of that, you should really have a portrait of Klaus Schwab in there as well, because we know that Ara Miyaguchi sitting on the Ethereum chair, Ethereum foundation, is a member of the World Economic Forum. So just have those three over your bed. Have, you know, Klaus Schwab on the left and Jeff Bezos on the right and Vitalik in the middle because, you know, he would like that. Anyways, Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're thinking from first principles, Ethereum is not ultrasound money. It was 70% pre-mined. There's like a central company or developers that are there. If it's so ultrasound, why does the Ethereum Foundation hold Bitcoin? Because they're the really running the affinity scam. In the wise words of Saifedean, he said recently, Ethereum's the mother asshole that all shitcoins spew out of. So it's basically they're trying to affinity scan people for their money. That is Bitcoin. They are smart. They're not stupid. They're, they're, they're stupid in the sense that they're scamming people. I don't like that. 
Um, but yeah, they hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet because they know Bitcoin is a better money. And I think uh, Phil brought this up months ago that the goal is to always keep Ethereum's price very, very high. And then you affinity scan by creating all these other bullshit shit coins on their platform that, you know, oh, we're going to list this new token on Coinbase. We're going to sell it off. Who's getting dumped on retail while they're selling and they're keeping the Ethereum price high because it's like, look, network usage. Um, I think it's very dishonest. I think it is uh, horrible what they do. And I think just be, buy Bitcoin, be safe. Uh, I come from uh, my background or my personally, I know a lot of the ETH community is, is dunking on Bitcoin maxis or Bitcoiners saying you guys are calling for the SEC to regulate us or to attack us. Uh, I couldn't be further from the truth. I don't care if the SEC does their job or not. They do a shitty job anyway. I don't need more government regulations. Uh, I'm just letting people be warned about what's going to happen and what ETH really is. You know, time's on our side as Bitcoiners. I'm not worried what the SEC does. They're not doing a good job as it is, and we don't need more regulations to come in. They're going to try and affinity scam people. But after one cycle of the bear market going down, you know, now people can say this. A lot of these altcoins have fallen 90, 95, 99%, 100%, whatever. Whatever it may be, a lot of them were built on Ethereum and Bitcoin. Yeah, we've seen a drop of 75 to 80 percent, but we're still around. We're still kicking to Nico and Phil's points. Uh, the addresses of 0 0.1, 0.01 and one Bitcoin are still going up while all these other coins are falling or failing. Uh, so that's just my two cents on all of it. Beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful, man. Very well said. And and to your and to your point, right, about, uh, you know, essentially about the the quote unquote, you know, Ethereum ecosystem. So look, let, let's let's just be clear to, to what Chris said. We don't we don't give a shit. The SEC, all of these organizations, they don't have to do anything. This doesn't change the fact that Ethereum is the biggest affinity scam for which all of the other affinity scams come from. Okay, the SEC doesn't change that. All of these regulatory organizations doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Even if they were to sit there and tell you, oh yeah, you know, this thing is legitimate, it's not. It's not legitimate. We've actually even shown the video where you have Jeb Mc, uh, sorry, uh, where you have uh, Joe Lubin that is explaining how the investors can maximize their profits through purchasing the pre-mine. You're being freaking scammed. Anyways, anyways, moving on, moving on to another scam that is equally as cringe and just as terrible. Here we go. Let's take a look. That's right, guys. As you could imagine, it's XRP Army time. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, so let's go back in time. We're going to go back to June. Okay. Did Ripple's co-founder, Jed McCaleb, I'm just inserting his name there, so, you know, for reference, um, since the fall and withdrew his XRP investment. Now, we've talked about XRP in the past. Um, we've we've explained and shown how they um, essentially Ripple Labs dumps the XRP onto the market to keep the lights on and to fund development. And one of the most beautiful parts of this is that the bag holders are have actually convinced themselves that this is a proper use case and, and that that makes sense that Ripple Labs dumps on the bag holders to keep the lights on. They actually say, this is good. They're funding development. <laughs> Anyways, good luck to you guys. Uh, here we go. Let's let's continue diving in. Here we go. So this was back in June. McCaleb sold another 19 million or 4.13 million worth last month. And Whale Alert believes that the rate may increase this year as the agreements limiting his XRP sales expire. I, I want you guys to, to, to listen to that. Okay. There was an agreement limiting how much the co-founder of this shitcoin can dump on the market because that's right they don't want to scare away all the little bag holders that believe in all this okay so anyways here we go mccaleb created the mount gox exchange and co-founded stellar lumen which is a, a shitcoin fork of xrp he also co-founded OneCoin in 2012, which later became Ripple and was allocated 9.5 billion XRP. When, and this is another piece of signal right here, when the 100 billion supply was pre-mined. We repeat that again. 100 billion supply, their whole supply was pre-mined. The whole thing. Anyways, <laughs> the XRP... 
uh, price plunged 40% in the 24 hours after he announced his intention to sell all of his holdings in 2014. Whoa, we can't have that. He then negotiated a seven-year agreement with Ripple, centralized entity that controls XRP, that limited monthly and annual sales. Well, how nice. That's really nice of them. The agreement allows McCaleb to sell 1 billion XRP in the sixth year of the agreement and 2 billion XRP in the seventh. Whale Alert said that by their count, we are now in year seven. Okay? So the biggest bags are being dumped right now. McCaleb's sale of XRP tokens has continued in the later months as well. Ripple's price surged briefly over the positive news reports about the launch of a new product that uses XRP. That's par for the course with shitcoining. If XRapid, the new product, gains traction with the banks, then it will increase XRP's liquidity and valuation in cryptocurrency markets. But the news boosted lasted only over the weekend. Oh my gosh, we're so surprised. Just a pump and dump, no way. And the world's third most valuable shitcoin token has shed as much as 40% of its gains. That was June, okay? Now, we're gonna finish it off with this piece right here. Here we go, this was yesterday. This is July 12th, 40 million XRP sold by Jeb McCaleb in the last seven days. Finish is almost here. He's almost got his bags dumped. You just, just need to hang on to your bags a little longer. All right. According to XRP Scan, Jeb McCaleb, co-founder of Ripple Labs, and its former CTO has less than 14 million XRP left in his wallet. In just the past seven days, McCaleb has sold about 40 million of the remaining XRP. Now we're going to go back here again, and we're going to take a look. Now it pumped back in June, okay, because they released a new product. Okay. so. Let's talk about the partnership parade, okay? When I first got scammed into shitcoins, that was a huge draw for me. Of course this is going to be huge. Of course this token is going to make it. Why? Because they've got big partnerships. Now, XRP has a fantastic narrative, right? Because their partnerships are with the biggest money creators of all, the banks, Okay, so if you don't know anything about Bitcoin and you don't understand why Bitcoin, this, this can make sense because, hey, the banks are going to use it. Okay, fine. So we've covered SDRs very often in this show. SDRs are essentially fake money that the IMF creates, okay, out of a basket of fake money around the world, right? They use other currencies from around the world and then they create this, this, this money, okay, called SDRs, okay, and that money gets used by countries and governments, okay, to pay down debt, and it's issued by the IMF. Now, you as an individual, you can't actually purchase SDRs. You, you can't go to a store and use SDRs. Um, nobody will buy them off of you. These things literally have absolutely no use case and no capability in the real world. They are not censorship resistant in any way. They do not have any of the qualities that we desire out of Bitcoin. So you say to yourself, why would I care about this? And indeed, if you said I wouldn't, well, that's right, you wouldn't. Now take a look at your XRP shitcoin and realize that you are being fooled with the exact same narrative, okay? Look, if you want to profit, if you want to capitalize off of their X rapid technology, the best thing to do is to figure out how to be an investor in the company. If you believe in what they're doing and you believe that they're going to turn a profit from what they're doing, but owning their shitcoin that is 100% pre-mined, that took zero work to create, that provides you absolutely no assurances to any kind of profit or security, that's a, that's a fucking scam. You're just getting scammed. You're just a bag holder and they're thrilled that you're holding their bags because guess what? You're part of what's keeping that price afloat so that Jeb can continue to dump his massive bag. <laughs> Anyways, dude, that's my take. I hit the nail on the head, absolutely slay. Now, I feel I can't really add much to that because you were so thorough, but I'll say this. Okay, very simple. Bitcoiners don't dump their Bitcoin because they know it's the best, hardest money ever created. They're, what are you dumping to? Monopoly money that some guy in D.C. could print more of? Um, or 
you hold on to Bitcoin, can't be debased, can't be easily confiscated. Clearly, even him being the founder, he doesn't feel that way about XRP himself. And that completely contradicts the marketing that these people are telling you that it's a competitor of Bitcoin. If they really felt that way, and if the Ethereum Foundation really felt that way, they wouldn't be holding Bitcoin and the XRP guy wouldn't be dumping XRP for Bitcoin, I'm assuming, right? Anyways, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this, brother? Yeah, I think it's an important point that uh, I, I don't know if you guys mentioned this before, but basically in 2014, he was trying to dump his bags. They, obviously, we read that in the article. They actually had their developers, their core developers of XRP, write a line of code blocking his addresses from doing so. And then they worked out an agreement afterwards, and then they opened up his addresses again. And they, I think they had like time locks for preventing it. Let's be honest. If he had a $9 billion worth of Bitcoin, he could have dumped it immediately. And there's nothing you or I or anyone could have done. But it's so centrally controlled that they're able to stop addresses from going from one person or one address to another address. That's exactly what we do not want in a global ultrasound money. That's what Bitcoin is. They literally are centrally planned and they want that control. Uh, uh, the best coin for cryptocurrencies or altcoins or shitcoins, whenever you want to call them, is for them to get co-opted by a government and force people to no longer hold Bitcoin or gold or other commodities. They like they, they say, like, if you have these things, we'll kill you or jail you. And we're going to force everyone to now use this cryptocurrency that we now control. That's basically what Fedcoin is or that's what any other cryptocurrency wants. Bitcoin's not like that. It's opt in. You use it because you want to. No one can force you to move it or to send it or to you can you could sell it if you want. You could buy it if you want. Like that's the free and open markets. And that's what I'm in for. Uh, I'm not for in for all these other centralized entities. I don't need a new Jerome Powell. I don't I definitely don't need a Klaus Schwab. Um, so yeah, that's just my two cents on all of it. No, you absolutely hit the nail on the head. Spot on, my friend. But anyways, Phil, it's time for the Daily Meme Review. Brought to you by Citadel 21. It's the best Bitcoin cultural zenith stories, articles, comics. By actual Bitcoiners, this is the artwork for volume 10. This is the artwork for volume 11. And this is the artwork for volume 2. Volume 2 is almost sold out because there's only a thousand physical copies made per volume. So get your prints of Citadel 21 today before they run out. All right, everybody, welcome to the daily Bitcoin meme review. We review Bitcoin memes. Memes play an essential role, not only in Bitcoin culture, but in this narrative trench warfare that we're fighting every single day on the battlegrounds of the internet against central bankers and governments. Anyways, check out this first meme. Dude, you, this is a cheat sheet. This is a cheat sheet. Sailor, give you all the answers. This is all the fun. This is such a good meme. I'm going to go through all of them. Anyways, first one says, it's not backed by anything. Chad Sailor says, wall of encrypted energy cyber hornets. It's not controlled by anyone. That's exactly why it works and what makes it better than legacy networks. Gold is better. 5,000 years. Gold is only relatively scarce. Bitcoin is absolutely scarce. Also more durable, divisible, divisible, portable, and recognizable. Too volatile. Equities have been more volatile this year, especially given Bitcoin size. Governments will ban it. Geographic arbitrage. Criminals will use it. It's not anonymous. It's a public ledger. Uses too much energy. Legacy finance uses orders of magnitude more. Quantum computers, nuclear launch codes, and NASDAQ will go down before Bitcoin. It's anonymous. It was never anonymous. It's a public ledger. Moving on. Next one. Buy 21 Bitcoin app. Bitcoin dead. TikTok next block. I told you Bitcoin is dead. Cry, cry. Another block was just mined. Absolutely awesome. Next one by Francis Puglio. The plebs and the wise men were, were the only to recognize this sign. Design inspiration for a bull Bitcoin project coming next month. You know, it's, a, it's the four kings, the three kings. Yeah. Really, really cool. Awesome art. I like the memes that are art sometimes. Next one by LC Hoddle. Shitcoiners want to treat the symptoms of fiat. Bitcoiners want to address the cause. We are not the same. I agree. I think, and I tweet this all the time, I think a lot of the moral decay in society that we see today is due to broken money. Um, anyways, next one. <laughs> Guys, I, I, you, can't make, you can't make this up. This is the second time the World Economic Forum deletes a page. They deleted, you can't find it. It was like scrubbed off the internet. They deleted, you'll own nothing and be happy. They deleted it, but that sucks for them because 
we saved it because we're simply Bitcoin. Anyways, moving on. Um, so, there's uh, how we will make Sri Lanka rich by 2025. This was 2018. And of course, five years of ESG, Sri Lanka literally has a revolt. There's people literally taking dips in the presidential pool right now. And they deleted it. I wonder why. Probably the same reason why they deleted You'll Nothing and Be Happy. Last one by McShane. He's coming on the show on Monday. Evidence oh, cool. suggests advanced galaxies have adopted a Bitcoin monetary and energy standard. And it's zooming into, you know, everyone was doing this. This is the famous uh, picture that was released a couple days ago by the James Webb Space Telescope. Um, and check this out. If you zoom in, those galaxies are actually floating Bitcoin. I believe it. I believe it. And if you you're deep if you're deep down the rabbit hole, you know that a lot of that light coming from those galaxies is actually energy. And when you see energy, you think, holy crap, they could power Bitcoin miners. Anyways, let's make Bitcoin a multi-galaxy money, even though I don't know. I don't know if that's possible because of the speed of light, but it sure does sound cool. Anyways, for that, I'm going to give it rip pieces of post-it notes. That's right. It's not just one. It's a couple. Boom. 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 Phil? That's why we don't store our seed on paper. Okay? Anyways, but that is an awesome score. Awesome score. And you know what? On the heels of that score, I am in Canada right now. So I am going to give it... The fellow Canadians are going to appreciate this. This is a large ice cap. Okay, from Tim Hortons. And for anyone who has had this, this is like pure coffee diabetes. It is. It tastes so good and it's so evil. Phil is a good dude. He went back to the communist country of Canada because he had to be with his family. Now we have to sneak him across the border one more time. Anyways, Chris, what are your thoughts, brother? Great scores. Uh, I have... This little hodler, plushy little oh. hodler toy from he got the little Bitcoin 2022, so he's still enjoying his vacation from going to Bitcoin 2022. But yeah, the little hodler plush toy. Lena Seish is awesome, and she makes some of the best memes. So shout out to her. She's the creator of the little hodler. Anyways, guys, we want to know if you agree with our scores, you disagree. Let us know down in the comment section. Comment, comment, comment. And of course, make sure to subscribe to us on alternative video platforms for obvious reasons, like rumble.com, our personal favorite, bitcointv.com, and make sure to join our Telegram group. We're almost at 500 people in there, only five more people. Make sure to join our Telegram. You could do it. Literally takes two seconds. Just check the link down in the description. Just Telegram, click it, and you'll join. It's really easy, and it's free, and there's plebs, and you could link us Bitcoin memes to review on the meme review. And of course, if you're listening to the audio version of this on Twitter spaces, make sure to stay until after the show or Jacob from Swan and Optimus Fields from Simply Bitcoin and Bitcoin Kindergarten are going to do a live Q&A and hang out. And Optimus, you're fired because you didn't include me in your list. But I'll rehire you tomorrow. By the time you listen to the episode, you're rehired. That's right, Optimus. Anyways. Phil, it was an open source software release today. Why don't you tell everybody about it? Software releases. Brought to you by CypherSafe. Check them out. CypherSafe.io. Nico just showed you what happens to paper. You can't go storing your seed on paper. Store your seed in the Cypher wheel or the all-new Cypher grid. They both come with a tamper-assisted wire. And the grid also comes with a punch tool. That's right. I don't actually have any of them because I'm traveling, but you get the idea. Anyways, let's dive into the software releases. Today, we've got Embassy, what is it? Embassy OS 0.3.1. For anybody who has the node from Start9 Labs, that is the upgraded operating system. Check out the link down below in the show notes. And guys, don't forget to check us out on our audio-only platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. If you want to stream us sats, check us out on fountain.fm. You could stream us sats through Breeze. And before we end the segment, just want to give a huge shout out to CoinJoin Day, who finally found us on fountain.fm. Gave us a shout out. Thank you so much. We've got Kaz Peeland, who 
who honestly boosts us every single day. Really appreciate it. We've got user with some very long number that I can't read back and Turia. So look, thank you so much for all your support. It really means a lot to us. Yeah, you guys, honestly, you keep the lights on. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys for all the love. Speaking of keeping the lights on, guys, check out Simply Bitcoin's clothing sponsor, RepresentLTD.com. Phil and I wear the hoodies every single day. Phil's wearing the Simply Bitcoin merch that has the orange pill. Phil, why don't you show them? The orange pill shirt. Right there, you see it? That orange pill? There it is. And I'm wearing the decentralized, trust no one, exactly. I'm wearing the decentralized corpse represent. This one's in green, also comes in green as well. Makes awesome merch, very comfortable, very stylish. And you can take advantage of the promo code down below to get 10% off representltd.com. Guys, check out Simply Bitcoin's blog. That's right, we're writing shit. To help you through the bear market, check out www.simplybitcoin.news. Pirate Beachbone is taking care of it, and he's a hell of a rider. So shout out to him. Guys, that was our show. No, before we go, I have to give a special shout out to our awesome guest, the legendary Chris Alamo. He is the master of mayhem behind Bitcoin Magazine stream. He's a multimedia producer. He also does Bitcoin on Twitch, and he is the host of the Amateur Investor Podcast. He's going to change that to the Amateur Bitcoin Podcast or perhaps just the Bitcoin Podcast. I don't know. I'll talk about him. I'll talk about it with him after the shows. Guys, that was the show. If you enjoyed the show, you want to just smash that like button, smash it, smash it, smash it. Of course, if you want to continue hearing the Bitcoin news from the plea pleb perspective, the catastrophic fails from the same perspective, and Bitcoin culture, the memes, all of that, definitely consider subscribing to Simply Bitcoin, and we will see you tomorrow, guys, for a brand new episode. The central bankers and the Fed have run out of cans to kick down the road.